I'm Miranda Ray Mayo, also known as Mr. Mayo. I play Stella Kid on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. You're standing next to your play family, and to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Friday, Shy Hearts. Welcome to episode 197 of Meet Us at Molly's. We're getting up there, getting close, so close. to that, that 200. So close. So close. I know. Crazy. So um, hope you guys are doing well. We are covering the episodes from this week, obviously. Uh, please forgive me. I'm a slight bit tipsy, but it'll wear off. Uh, we're covering episodes two. So 702, 1002, and 902. I really had to think about that for a second. That's sad. Um, so yeah, as always, we like to start with the news and I think we're going to do just that. So there's a lot of news today, isn't there? There's a lot because we haven't done news in like almost two weeks because oh, we true. recorded the premieres early. So there's a lot from like basically two weeks. Yeah. News. So Okay, so first up, we've got a Matt Carter interview with the med showrunners, Andy and Diane. Okay, so Matt did a great interview. And the the main tidbit that we got from that was uh, mostly about the crossovers. So Matt asked, he said, logistically, crossovers were pretty much impossible last year. Moving forward, though, can we see that explored a little bit further? And Andy said, we'll do some limited crossovers with characters from PD and Fire appearing on Med, but we won't be able to do a major crossover until the second half of the season when hopefully COVID numbers are low enough to make it feasible. It's a bummer, but that's just the times. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad to know that it's still going to happen. Like, that's fine. I don't necessarily need it to happen like right away as long Mm -hmm. as it can still hopefully happen. Yeah, we got to emotionally prepare for real though mm-hmm. for real yeah um next up there was a tv line you know inside line i think it's matt's inside line um and there were a couple actually a couple of questions related to one chicago so the first one it says any chance an old character will make a guest appearance in chicago fire season 10 for the 200th episode or as guests at the Stellaride wedding and it says, given that it's a big milestone season, showrunner Derek Hass promises some callbacks that stretch all the way back to the early seasons. It's going to be a special season for sure, and one that will change everything about the show. But as for episode 200, the Stellaride wedding will not take place that soon. Cool. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, too. I'm but okay also, don't that. make it the finale, because then there's going to be some ridiculous cliffhanger. And the only cliffhanger I want is I do, and I now pronounce you <laughs> husband and wife. Yeah, I yeah no. It can be mid season, but maybe later mid season premiere. That's fine. Yeah, I as long as it happens sooner rather than later. Yeah. As long as it ends with them actually getting married and then them being like tucked in bed on their honeymoon, safe and sound. Okay, <laughs> leave the cliffhanger with some other character, please. Leave them alone. Well, no, no cliffhangers at all. But yes, let Stellaride actually get married and be happy. Yeah, yeah. Let them let them be happy and get married, and then also take Joe and Chloe and the baby and put them somewhere <laughs> safe too. In a bubble. In a bubble. Yes. Yes. yes in yeah. a bubble. Perfect. Um, there was also again another question about the crossover, and it said, "Will there be one?" And it was kind of a similar thing. But Derek did say in this, it says, "I feel bad because we had one planned and we had it all talked out." 
um, with other showrunners. He says, we know what we're going to do and it's enormous, but obviously like he's like Andy said, the Delta variant kind of forced our hand. So, Oh Jesus. It's bigger than infection. That's, that's going to be something. How does it get any bigger than infection? I don't know, but knowing Derek, it, it's going to be bigger than infection. What else can you inflict upon the poor city of Chicago? <laughs> You've already lit a skyscraper on fire. You already predicted the pandemic. Did you did? I don't know, but man, it's whenever it happens, it's going to be so good. I I just know it. It's going to yeah. be so good. But it's also going to hurt our emotions. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. So we also had an interview with Derek from an outlet called Monsters and Critics. And there was a question here that said, in the past, Casey has had to take Gallo to task for his reckless ways. Will we see any growth for him this year? And Derek said, we're definitely going to have some major stories with Gallo, not romantic, but call related stories and watch his growth. He's been here a while now, and he's still always got his wild card edge to him. And Casey as his mentor is even more pronounced this season. So then I'm just going to make the happy headcanon in my head that he and Violet are like hooking up off screen. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I am, I mean, obviously I would love to see Gallo and Violet, Gallo and Violet, like I was trying to combine names there for a second. Gallo and Violet be together romantically. Obviously that's like a ship I will die with, but if we're not going to get that, like seeing Gallo's growth, it's probably going to be really exciting. I and mean, we'll talk about it a little bit, you know, later on. Like, I kind of feel like they're eventually going to set him up to join squad. I don't know if it'll oh. be this season, but like, it just really kind of felt like that's something that's going to happen. Down I like that theory. I don't like that. I don't know if it'll be this season, but, um, yeah, I, I think that'll happen. Oh, Casey would be so sad to lose his little son. I know. And obviously, anytime we get more Casey Gallo mentor mentee, like that's always good. So I'm excited to see more of that. Like, uh, that sounds good. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here for that. Yeah, big time, big time. So uh, Monsters and Critics, or yeah, Monsters and Critics also asked, they said, when we first met Herman, he was always trying to find a way to make a buck. But now he has Molly's and a promotion, so he must have gotten a raise with that. What's left for him? Are we going to see a family story, or is it going to be more stuff that he becomes a mentor to the younger crew? I don't like the phrasing of what's left for him. That makes, yeah. me, that, that makes me nervous. Yeah, I don't like that. But Derek said he's so different than he was if you watched season one. He's gone from the get-rich-quick guy to the sage businessman, and that doesn't change. We're going to build towards a story with Herman and Mouch where the old dogs have to teach the new dogs some old tricks in order to get through a very harrowing shift. We always like to do those things that we've got to, where we've got the generations that can play against each other. Well, that'll be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm always here for Herman Mouch versus the millennials. Like, that's always, always a good, yeah, yeah. I'm always here for that. That'll be good. And then they also said Lieutenant Granger and Sylvie broke up. Might he come back? And Derek said, we haven't really made plans yet because we weren't sure actually what that actor's plans were going to be. We're working on that. Okay, but wasn't he spotted in Chicago not too long ago? He was. Unconfirmed why he was in Chicago, but. He hasn't popped up on the big leap yet? No, they've only aired two episodes. He's not. Okay, that film's in Chicago. Yes, it does. Shameless still happening? No. 
But anyway, just when Derek says we're working on that. Interesting. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. I love me some Granger, but like tread carefully. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. The next thing we had was another article from TV line. And this is like big. The, yeah. This is the biggest piece of news I think we have. And this is something we've been waiting literal years years for and it says chicago pd boss says atwater will have a girlfriend in season nine cue the party horn yes okay so it says pd showrunner rick eyed confirms the tv line that atwater will indeed have a girlfriend in season nine he meets a dynamic young woman and their bond is fun and really unique for atwater it's a welcome needed respite i'd says it also becomes a safe space for the pair to be their true selves. But of course, things will be complicated as any relationship on this show tends to be. It'll be a great ride for his character. Is it happening? Is he finally getting a love interest? I almost at this point, I'm like, okay, that's great. But until I actually see it on my damn screen, I don't know if I want to believe it. It's like, like Christmas. Been, it really is though. This is like, I mean, literally when I say we've been comp- campaigning for this for years, I mean- since day one of the podcast we have merch for this (laughs) that's how serious we take this are we gonna need to make another one that's like at water got a love interest oh my god no what did i say i said something in a group in one of our facebook group things and i don't even remember what my idea was but it was great for a hashtag um i'll have to find it but um yeah i just holy shit it might actually happen I listen as long as it's not a Layla 2.0 situation all over again I'm okay with it yeah Layla was fantastic can we not like send said girlfriend off to jail for real though oh I found my hashtag it was atwater found hashtag atwater found love in a hopeless place (laughs) perfect yes I love it yeah That'll be our new hashtag. Coming soon to our Public store as soon as we can verify that they didn't cut the storyline. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I hope it's good. It sounds like if, you know, they're going to really vibe and that they'll, you know, he says it's a safe space for them to be their true selves. Like, I, I, I'm, I don't want to like knock on wood, but like, hopefully this sounds too really good. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Oh man, that's so. exciting. It's really exciting. <laughs> uh, okay, so in, in other exciting news, we have episode descriptions for not only episode three, but episode four. Hashtag blessed. We really Man, are, though. They're just pouring on in. Okay, so Chicago Med 703. This is called Be the Change You Want to See. Dylan and Will deal with a dishonest patient whose lupus is in remission. A wealthy donor makes inappropriate advances towards Stevie. Vanessa, Crockett, and Charles try to convince a young woman to have life-saving surgery. If that guy comes for Stevie, like, no. 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 (laughs) We will have none of that on this podcast. No. No. Also, Vanessa, Crockett, Charles, here for that combination. That sounds like a great combo. Here Mm -hmm. for that. Um, Dylan and Will. Dylan and Will, I'm interested to see how that goes. We, I love Dylan, which we'll get to, but like, yeah, sounds like a good episode. I'm here for this. 
How do you think Dylan's going to handle Will's like hardheadedness? He's it's so interesting because Dylan is so calm and like reserved and he just he's so go with the flow. It'll be interesting. I don't you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious to see if there's more talk about Jay, because obviously the only interaction we've really seen between them is like, hey, I know your brother. He's cool. And Will's like, oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. But like, so I'm curious to see if that comes up or if they just don't talk about Jay anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, I'll be curious to see. Yeah, that's gonna be good. It's gonna be really good. Um, the next one we have is Fire 1003, and it is called Counting Your Breaths, and it says, Griffin learns the truth about his father's death and reveals why he really came to visit Casey. Gallo, Ritter, and Violet take steps to expand their microbrewery business. What truth about Darden's death? Mm. Is there some secret that they've been keeping from us for 10 years? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a plot twist? Oh my goodness. Uh, damn. Um, but you know what's interesting is so obviously these are the episodes that are airing next week. So we have at this point seen the promos. None of this that's in the episode description is in the promo. The promo focuses solely on Severide and Cruz and Severide chewing Cruz out for like not obviously being straight with him about how he's really feeling. Yeah, you're right. But that's not in the description at all. And none of the, what's in the description is in the promo. <laughs> but sounds like obviously here for more millennials i'm really we'll talk about it obviously the griffin and casey stuff but it's gonna be a good one Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a good one yep yep pd 903 is called the one next to me everybody just like prepare (laughs) yourselves okay like get your favorite blanket just like get any sort of like self-care stuff ready because this is a j military episode which means by the end of it we're all just going to be in pieces so it's called the one next to me. Halstead's past resurfaces when a former army colleague is implicated in a deadly blast. As the FBI launches an investigation into Roy's disappearance, Upton feels the pressure of the secret she and Boyd are sharing. We're just going to be in shambles at the end of this one. I know. I'm like going to have to buy like 20 extra boxes of tissues to get through it. Oh, man. Oh, it's going to be brutal. I know. And having seen the promo too, oh man, it's gonna like destroy everything that's inside of me. Did you catch in the promo that the photo of them from the RD, it's Jay Mouse and the the guy that we're going to meet next week? I didn't, but I saw, I mean, our friend Jennifer sent it. I think it was Jennifer. Jennifer or Carrie, I don't remember which one, sent it in our group text. So yes, I did know that, but I would not have picked it up just solely on the promo. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then obviously Upton starting to feel the pressure of the Roy secret. I just. And like, because of what Jay's going through with this case, like he, she's not going to feel ready to confide in him. And then like. I'm already crying. I'm oh, already man. crying. I'm not ready. It's going to be ready. so brutal. The PD writers are like, our, our fans haven't had a good cry in a while. We're like, the season finale was like three episodes ago. What are you doing? Oh, man, I'm not ready. I'm not ready either. No. Okay. So the next week's, though, we do have episode four description. So Med 704 is called Status Quo, a.k.a. The Mess We're In. And it says, Charles helps Dylan with a longtime patient who was recently diagnosed with schizophrenia. 
Stevie, Maggie, and Vanessa investigate the legitimacy of a patient's cancer diagnosis. Crockett is caught off guard. Will pitches a new medical technology. Can we start with Stevie, Maggie, and Vanessa, the girl power? Yes, I was just about to say, I'm here for all of that. All of that. Yes. Um, I like how it just says Crockett is caught off guard. Okay, what is Crockett caught off guard about? Like, is it medical? Is it personal? Like, what is he, like, in what realm is Crockett even caught off guard with? Leave him alone, please. Like, yeah, don't hurt Crockett. Don't do that. None of that. No, no, no. Um, And I also, I mean, we'll talk about it again when we talk about med, but I really liked the Charles and Dylan combo from this, like, this week's episode. So I'm going to be down for more of that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Will pitches a new medical technology? I don't know. Okay, but I think what this is, is like, it it kind of loops into the med episode from this week about how, like, he's going to kind of let Matt hook him in. But what it sounds like is that he's going to, like, develop an app or something. And I'm like, Will's not that savvy. What are you doing? He's definitely not developing an app. No. No way. No. No way. Anyway. Fire 1004 is called The Right Thing. Kid spreads her wings as lieutenant. Chief Hawkins rides with 61 to learn more about Brett. Casey takes a trip out of town and a Ritter date night turns into an emergency situation. All right. Okay, first of all, we're not going to hurt Eric, are we? Leave him alone. (laughs) But please, that's all we're asking. And let Ritter live. Come on. (laughs) it's such a pet peeve of mine on medical shows when they do that i'm like let them live let them go to on on a date or something leave them alone right like they don't go through that much enough shit at work yeah um okay couple things one casey taking a trip out of town definitely has to do with griffin right oh yeah oh yeah okay glad we got that out of the way i don't know where i guess florida where they were living but anyway Kid spreading her wings as a lieutenant. I guess we'll again we'll talk about it when we get there. But my theory is that Herman, after this whole situation, like gets bumped out of his lieutenant spot, and then mm-hmm. Kid takes over. Is that have you thought about that? I I actually haven't, but that would make some sense because obviously he's now he took the fall for Brett, which again we'll get to, but. And, you know, Bowden's like, well, this is really serious. So I wonder if he's going to get, like, stripped and then Kid will step in. And by stripped, we mean he's going to film Sex in the City. <laughs> yeah, probably that part of that, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, again, we'll get to this more in a second. Hate Chief Hawkins. Already just hate everything about him. So well, He handsome. <laughs> I mean, he is, but still, he is handsome until he, while he didn't have his mouth while he had his mouth shut and then he opened his mouth and yeah no when he turned around in Bowden's office I was like oh oh hello and well, I was, was just I was totally up and I was like he doesn't seem that bad and like all of our friends in our group chats were like ew f him he sucks I was like what well no and then but it was funny because there was a picture like a mirror selfie going around of him like earlier that day that I guess he posted whoever the actor is um and I was like, oh, like, he is really kind of cute. But I was like, really? We're going to go here again with, like, 
somebody cute like trying to possibly somehow interfere with brett's life like really we're gonna go here again and then he opened his mouth yesterday and i was like no oh i'm okay like i don't have i, I no that's why with with him coming in that's why it doesn't quite make sense to have granger come back unless he's coming back in a completely unrelated situation yeah i think the only reason at this point is that granger the re the only reason granger would really come back is nothing to probably do with brett and sylvie or brett and casey whatsoever like i feel like if granger comes back it's gonna be like for some other random ass storyline you know whatever and i think the only reason they're even considering bringing him back is because like fans loved him so yeah yep yeah yep. and then pd904 is called in the dark um so oh wait no you read this one go ahead i read the last one um so it says when upton and rutick answer an emergency call to an abandoned house their investigation leads them down a dark Am I the only one who read this description and immediately was like, what are they doing together? <laughs> See, I was like, oh, I'm kind of going to be here for this team up. I saw Upton and Ruzik and I was like, stop. I don't know why. I think I just, I think, I think the franchise has given me trust issues. <laughs> See, but like, okay, here's the thing. We know they're not going to hook up. So them working together is fine. <laughs> I fucking hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a plot twist? Oh my god, that would be the worst. <laughs> oh man, and we just thought like the secret getting out was like that was like the least of our worries. But anyway, so my in my mind, I'm like, well, they're not going to hook up, so it's fine. I don't mind them working together. <laughs> but yeah, I down a dark path. Okay. I, okay. I think the person at MDC who writes these descriptions like does not watch the franchise at all. Yeah, no. 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 Right. That's about all we've got in terms of the news. You guys are really good though. If you see something, please send it to us. You know, whole big internet. We we, you know, we have day jobs that we try to balance with this. So we don't always <laughs> see everything, but you guys help a lot. So you know the deal. If you see something, just DM, tweet, text if you have our numbers. It helps. <laughs> Yeah. So before we jump into the episodes, we have three patron shout outs. Three. So exciting. Really exciting. I know. Okay. So first patron shout out, Lori Richards. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the family. Thank you so much for supporting us. Um, next up is Danielle McPhee. Danielle, I know I've already seen you in the Facebook group, you know, posting, making friends, which is awesome. We are so, so, so glad you're here. Yes, I love that. I was on a little bit of a Facebook break, so I, I missed that, but I'm so glad. The Facebook group is so much fun. The best. So much fun. And last up, we've got Evangelina Cantu. Evangelina is such a pretty name. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. It really so is. Pretty. Welcome aboard. Please don't forget to request entry into the Facebook group. Awesome. Love it. If you would like to become a patron for as little as $2 a month, please head to the link in our socials. You can check out our Patreon page, see which tier might be right for you. Got a lot of cool stuff. The super popping, awesome Facebook group, discount to the merch store, bonus episodes, all sorts of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. We got to record yeah. another bonus episode pretty soon. I know we really do. Mm -hmm. Should we do Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants since somebody we know has not oh! seen it? Amazing. Amazing suggestion. <laughs> Isn't yes. there like, aren't there like two sequels to it? Okay. 
let me educate you really quick. <laughs> so there's four books and then later on in well, there's four books in the main series and then later on um the author wrote a fifth book that's like them as adults, you know, later on. Mm-hmm. So there's five books. There's been two movies. The first movie is like truly based on the first book. The second movie is kind of mostly based on the fourth book, but like with a few parts of the other movies, but it's mostly the fourth book. So there's been two movies. Do I need to read the books? No. Okay. I mean, obviously I always advocate for reading those books because like that is one of my favorite book series of all times, if not my favorite book series of all times. So I obviously would love to, but you don't have to watch, read the books to understand the movies. No. I'm trying to like slowly wean myself off of the iPhone screen. And like, I'm like slowly trying to like brainstorm activities that don't involve my phone. So maybe that would help. I don't know. What reading? Yeah, maybe. Even though I have a Kindle, so I'm still looking at a screen, but still. Oh, but yes, still. no, they're I'm, obviously I love those books, but um, no, you don't have to. They're very easy movies to watch, so. I gotta, I gotta pick up the Bridgerton book again. I started it. I got like, which one? The second one. Oh, it's so good. But honestly, I still, I've only made it through the first three. The fourth one I literally have sitting right here. That'll be like the next book I read. Um, But I, I mean, I love two and I'm very excited for two. Three has been my favorite so far. Okay. I don't read like ever. So I've got like two books here. I've got like one there. I've got like books everywhere. Yeah, no. And then our our group chat of all of our, all of the ladies from ATX, like all of you are big readers and I'm just like not. So I just sit there and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let me know if any of these get made into a Netflix season. I'm in. (laughs) So yeah, I love to read. I've been trying to read more and like really get back into reading, but um, yeah, I love to read. I, I really only tend to read when when I know something is getting made into a series. So I, I clearly remember reading Water for Elephants when that movie came out mm-hmm. um, with, it was Robert Pattinson and Reese, Reese Witherspoon. Witherspoon. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was fantastic. But I don't think I ever saw it, but yeah. yeah. So, don't know. So, all right. Without further ado, it is time to move into the episodes, shall we? Let's do it. Oh, let's do it. Okay. So, uh, I was a little disappointed that these were not as strong as the premiere, but like, it's okay. They were still really good. I guess technically I would think the premieres are slightly stronger, but I still really, really enjoyed these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, let's yeah. start with med as usual. So we're going to start off with Goodwin and Cooper. Okay. We just kind of left this in its own little tiny blurb. So, okay. We start off. Will finds Goodwin at the coffee cart. Goodwin did some snooping. And Cooper's receiving a shit ton of kickbacks, just as she suspected. She's like, yeah, he's getting consultant fees. He's getting this. He's getting that. He's just basically like Scrooge McDuck, like in the opening credits of DuckTales, just like diving in his money. It's accurate, right? Mm -hmm. So Will's like, okay, cool. I'll ask around in the ICU and I'll see what I can find. Y'all, Will Halston is many things. As hard-headed as he is, he is a good doctor. He is not a good detective. The detective work he needs to leave to his brother. Yeah, I was going to say, he is not a spy. He is not, like, no no way. No, he's about as subtle as a hurricane. Uh, It's just, this whole scene with Matt in the ICU, it just plays out as a really bad medicine commercial. Well, the thing that I thought was so funny is later on when he's talking to Goodwin and 
he was like, yeah, I don't think he suspected anything. I was like, really, Will? Because I would have like picked that up in like two seconds. I was like, really? You don't think he suspected anything? Okay. It played out so badly though, because it was like, like Will asked these super canned questions that you hear in a bad medicine ad. And then, you know, Matt gave these super canned answers. And it, it basically gets to a point where towards the end of it, like you think you're watching a commercial and Matt's like side effects include, like it was so bad, but yeah. like A for effort, Will. A for effort. I don't know. He tries. <laughs> Will Halstead defense squad. Bye. Do you own that shirt? I don't. I need to. I was going to say, why don't you just like wear that every Thursday night when we record? <laughs> I really should. <laughs> I really should. Oh, we need oh, Nick man. back on the podcast so bad. I know, we really do. <laughs> so Gina, guess what? <laughs> Every week, Gina defends what you do, even though Will is so crazy. Yeah, pretty much. So back in the ED, um, Sharon's talking to Crockett about something else and she gets really lightheaded, like out of nowhere. And it turns out her blood sugar has been like super high all week. So she's like, nope, no big deal. I'm just going to stop by endocrinology on the way back. Just kind of talk to the doctor there, find out what's going on. The luxury of being like, I work in a hospital, so I'm just going to go get these answers real fast. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, So she consults with Dr. Yang later and it turns out stress can cause high blood sugar. So maybe this Cooper thing is stressing her out more than we think. Yeah. Well, she better be careful or else, you know, something else really bad could happen yeah and then we're all going to end up hating michael rady's character if he like makes goodwin sick with stress yeah i don't want to hate michael rady me either i want to go watch christmas at pemberley manor and like him (laughs) (laughs) oh man so will comes back to sharon after he talks to stevie which like we'll get there but he's like okay i finally figured out a way in with cooper i'm gonna cry broke and you know try and basically get him to hook me in to doing all of these things to get these kickbacks what cracks me up here is sharon's reaction because she just goes i knew you were the right man for this job i died laughing (laughs) it's like i feel like will is the child who has only ever wanted his parents approval and then finally got it but it's so funny though because it's not even like we talked about this last week you know like does goodwin respect will or whatever but honestly with that line, it's like, oh, I knew you were the right man for the job. Not that you're a great doctor, not that you're this, but you're going to be a good, you're, you're the right person for this job, like getting Cooper to basically confess to like being a fraud. Do you think Will went home and like <laughs> cried happy tears and texted Natalie and was like, guess what Goodwin told me today? <laughs> just like, really? Like, I mean, no, like, I just, I died laughing. I was, she says, she's like, and cause she says it with like that smile on her face too. <laughs> she's like, I knew you were the right man for the job. And I was just like, I can't, I can't. Yeah. Not you're a good doctor. Not like you're so good with your patients. Just like, you're so good at doing my dirty work. Mm-hmm. It's not that funny, but it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh man. Oh, William. He's trying. I mean, I don't know. So I hope everything's okay with her diabetes though. Cause like, I am not here for this Cooper business, like making her sick. Yeah. We don't need sick Sharon. No, no. no. Like, yes, she's Sharon. Yes. She's not the best leader in the world in that, you know, she's like, oh, you should face consequences. LOL JK. But like, don't touch her. 
Yeah. Protect her at all costs. Protect her at all costs. Yes. Yes, please. So that's it for Goodwin and Cooper. Moving on to Dr. Scott and Dr. Charles. We're going to take it away. Okay. I feel like we just need to preface this whole conversation by saying each week, I mean, granted, it's only been two weeks, but each week I've fallen more and more in love with Dr. Scott. He's the best. I fucking love him. Same. I just, I adore him. Like literally last night I was tweeting and I was like, Crockett may have a run for his money, A, for my favorite character and B, for like doctors I would trust to treat me at med. Yes, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Like I opened my eyes at med and who's the first person I want to see? Either one of them. I mean, Crockett is still number one for me just because it's only been two weeks. So I'm not like going so totally crazy. But like, if this keeps going, Scott, Dylan's going to be up there. He's so unfazed. Like, right. He doesn't like, he, he's very calm. Mm-hmm. Things don't stress him. So he's not the kind of guy where you're going to open your eyes and he's going to be like, oh my God. He's calm. He's empathetic. He t- handle. I mean, obviously he is like peds too so he's good with kids but like he just has this way of explaining things that like make sense and make you feel like you're gonna be okay even if it's like the worst possible scenario what and really- those are all the things that I've loved about Crockett yeah. but it's presented differently with Dylan and I don't know exactly why but like I just it's all the things that I've loved about Crockett I'm also seeing in Scott and I'm just like yes give me more of this yeah. What really kills me about this case in particular, he doesn't judge his patients. He doesn't no. judge. Mm-mm. The season premiere, he could have totally like judged that dad and been like, why did you let your son get into this where he's like sticking his hand in something with a snake? Like why? Not at all. And this patient this week as well, she took a bunch of sleeping pills and he could have kind of approached it with that air of like, well, you're the one who took the pills. He didn't judge her at all. Well, and even the one last week too, where with the homeless mom and the mm-hmm. daughter, like mm-hmm. you could have judged them too for like sleeping in your car and you know, all this stuff and like been like, oh, you're so dumb. Like, why didn't you ask all these questions when your daughter was first diagnosed? Like, but he didn't. And I just, yeah, it's, I guess it's just such a breath of fresh air in this environment. But yeah, I just, I, it's been two weeks and I, I love him. <laughs> He is a dream doctor. Like I wish I had a doctor as like attentive and nice and nurturing as him. I, yeah, I just, I love him. Every doctor I see, I'm just like, I don't like being here. Can you just like get me out of here as fast as possible? Yeah. Well, and it's something I'm curious to see too, as we find out more about him is like, I wonder if this is just who he is and who he's always been, or if this, if this really comes from like his PD experience. Like, I wonder, you know, if this was just always the person he was, or if this has, like, really been influenced by his experience in the PD. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, so, like we said, so a patient basically stops Dr. Scott in the waiting room, and she took a bunch of sleeping pills. So she's, like, frantically asking if she's going to die. But, like, again, he's super calm he's like no like I've got you like it you're gonna be okay like it, it's gonna be okay did you notice that this patient looks exactly like Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine you haven't seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine though I was gonna say I don't know who that is okay but she's in in the heights she's the one who is uh my mom is Dominican Cuban my dad is from Chile she, that's her uh, oh Dominic, her. Eureka, but yes, I always say I'm from Queens yes 
she does look exactly like her yeah yeah anyway so basically this girl is a human rights attorney for unicef so and specifically working with like child soldiers so she's like clearly seen some shit and it kind of at first it's like oh well then i guess that's why she's been taking the pills but she's trying to play it off as like no 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 i'm fine with my job like the reason i took the pills was because i was triggered you know i just got an argument with my mom and i'm not even that close with her i don't know why i called her but you know like that's why you know that's why and so she wants to ultimately be discharged but dr charles is like i you know i think she might self-harm again if i were to let her go and so he hopes that by keeping her there for even just like another hour while they give her some more fluids that like they can convince her to admit herself to inpatient psych. I just want to circle back and make sure we know what she's dealing with. She is a human rights attorney for UNICEF. She's headed to the Congo and she basically helps child soldiers as young as five years old, five years old. That's like my niece's age. I couldn't imagine that. Yep. It's crazy. So, like we said, she's seen some shit. So then we get into this, like, super deep scene uh, where Dr. Scott and Dylan and Dr. Charles are trying to, like, level with her. And, you know, Dylan talks about how the fact, like, he was a cop 10 years ago. So, obviously, in our heads, we're like, okay, 10 years ago, it's 2021, so that'd be 2011. So, like obviously pre when Chicago PD was on, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like we're trying to sit here and think about like, okay, how does this work? Um, But anyway, and he was talking about how, you know, like one of his superiors encouraged him to get help and he's using his experience as a way to obviously convince her that like, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to admit that you need help. Um, Cause he's been through it too. It's a very powerful scene. I wanted to pull the audio, but it was just so long. I didn't know what to pull. Yeah. Uh, but I think based on this, I think we can assume that Jay was the Academy buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think just the fact that so far we've had a mention of Jay and the fact that, you know, Scott knew Jay. Like, yeah, I, I would say it was Jay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Um, and then the superior, I mean, it probably wasn't Voight. Of course not. No, I don't think Voight came around to the idea of mental health until Justin died. Yeah, and I think they would have named, well, maybe not outwardly, right, named Voight, but I feel like if they were going to give us Voight, it would have, they would have said something about Voight. That's, like, one of the biggest questions I have for if and when we ever get to interview Guy Lockard is, like, what, what does Dylan think of Voight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, they ultimately get her to agree to admit herself, but we run into this problem because there are no beds available at all at med in the psych ward. Like, none whatsoever. So, Archer, they're really busy in the ED, and so Archer's like, listen, like, we really need this bed. Like, you've got to just get rid of her then. Like, you can't just keep her here until there's a bed available. Like, you've got to have to find another hospital to send her to. Um and he, and then they still can't find any of the good ones. Like there is literally just no hospital around. So their only choice is to send her to the state mental hospital, which obviously is not a good environment for her at all, because obviously the way they treat their patients is like they're, you know, inmates in prison. Um, so not the environment this girl needs to be in. So Dr. Scott yells at Dr. Archer 
and with like the line of the night about the fact that he just moves people through like they're going through a car wash i mean amazing and then he just storms off because he's tired of archer shit and again if i didn't already love dr scott i would have fallen in love with him right there i'm a fan of anybody who puts dr archer in his place yes and especially with a clever line like that yes um so again dylan storms off and dr charles finds him on the fake rooftop some years ago uh, my partner and i responded to a call straight bullet from a drive-by hit a 14 year old boy kid was bleeding out shot through the thigh by some miracle i was able to hold pressure long enough on a wound for the paramedics to respond he make it yeah he survived it's from the slug that hit him man it was the most alive the most useful i felt on the force you know it's what drew me to medicine days like today okay listen this story is great but we really need to talk about the fake rooftop oh my god it's so bad anymore it's so obvious it's almost like it's an inside joke now like everybody knows that it's fake so we're just gonna make it as terrible as possible just like just give up you guys just give up we they don't have to be on a rooftop they can be inside the hospital like it's bad it's It's really really bad. bad it's really bad it was like like dr charles and dr scott were like talking to each other and then the background was moving like independent of them (laughs) it's just so bad and literally as soon as they go up there i was like oh my god it's the fake rooftop just 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 give up either do it inside the hospital or you know what just say fuck it and give us the green screen let him stand in front of a green screen i don't care it's so bad it's so bad it's so bad and so obvious and we're not the only ones who caught it no everybody caught it (laughs) oh man it's a great it's a great ongoing joke though it really is but Mm -hmm. yeah it's bad it's it's bad Mm -hmm. so krista the patient does not take the news of going to the state mental hospital well um and she's just really upset because she feels like she trusted them you know enough to you know she didn't want to go in at all and then they finally broke her down and she felt like she could trust them to go into inpatient psych and so she ultimately feels like they betrayed her and they lied to her um and, you know, then she does get taken off and Dylan, at least is because he's, you know, was former police is able to convince them to like not to put the cuffs on her, you know, make it feel a little less prison-y. Um, but he's like really beating himself up over this. Yeah. And um, Dr. Charles just, you know, kind of talks to him. And that's kind of how this episode ends. How long you been doing this? 35 years. I don't know. Something like that. Wow. You gotta hang on to those, those good days. You know, hang on to the winds. That's why you got that bullet around your neck, right? There you go. Really important, buddy. I mean, for me anyway. Gotta hang on to those winds. You've really got to admire Krista for the strength it takes to seek out help, especially when this is not her first attempt. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I can absolutely see how this would be a major betrayal to her is that she's like, I came to seek help and you guys are sending me off to like the insane asylum. Yeah. Um, 
But I really did like this end scene with um, Dr. Charles and Dylan because I, you know, not every experience you're going to have, whether you're the, in the police department, in the fire department, in the medical, like not every experience you have is going to be a great one. Like, mm-hmm. obviously you are going to lose patients or, you know, victims or whatever. Like you are going to lose people. You are going to have like not good days, but I did like what Dr. Charles said, like you got to hang on to the winds. Or else, obviously, if you don't hang on to the winds, then you're going to be dragged down and, like, you're not going to enjoy doing this. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to remember why you wanted to become a doctor, firefighter, policeman in the first place. Um, so I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. I feel like Dr. Charles always has the wisdom to, like, bring it back around. Mm-hmm. Like, for us and for the doctors at Med, even for, like, the viewers, like, you hear what he says and you're just like, okay, I feel calm now. That's good. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Moving into Will and Stevie. Oh boy. Oh boy. So, um, you guys, when this aired on Wednesday night, I was not home for the first half of this and we pulled into the garage, right? As I got a text from a friend that said, why is Will so dumb? (laughs) I was like, oh, oh, I don't know, but that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh man. Oh man. It's like the, the three things you can depend on in life, death taxes and Will doing something dumb. Yep. Yep. I still love him. I don't care. So, okay. Will and Stevie get a patient. He's a 17 year old with Addison's disease. They didn't explain what Addison's disease was. So like to the Google. Okay. Addison's disease is an adrenal insufficiency. Okay. It can mess with a lot of things, but mainly it can mess with your blood sugar. Okay. That we're, we're not doctors. We just learn what Google tells us. So Stevie wants to test for diabetes, but the mom is like, no, he's trying to get into this clinical trial where if he has diabetes, he's out. Like it's, it's an exclusionary factor. He can't. So the labs come back normal. So Will just goes from like zero to a hundred. He's like, the labs are normal. So it's Munchausen's by proxy. Whoa. Jump at the gun a little bit there. That's a very Natalie diagnosis of you, William. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And Stevie's just like, hold on, tap the brakes. That's a little intense. And it cracks me up because then they go to talk to the mom and Will just goes peak Will because he's essentially like, well, the most obvious answer is usually the answer. And I'm always right. So it's Munchausen's by proxy. And the mom is like, what? Like, no, fuck you. Also, I want to speak to your supervisor, which like take a drink at that point. But really, though, if I had a nickel for every time somebody wanted to talk to Will's supervisor or was like, I'm going to have your license, like we would be paid by now. Yeah, we'd be rich. <laughs> so we find out that the kid has actually been dosing himself to spike his blood sugar because he doesn't want to do the trial. Uh, he actually wants to go to school in London and doing the trial will keep him from doing so. So, you know, the, the mom's kind of a helicopter mom and she, he's just like, I want her to back off. But of course, Will and Stevie disagree because it would not be an episode of Med if they did not disagree. So Will thinks that he should, that the kids should make the decision. The mom thinks that, or Stevie thinks the mom is in the right. So what does Will do? He goes behind everybody's back and talks to this kid about emancipation. I was going to say, I was with Will for a hot second, for like two seconds, when he said he thought the kids should be able to make the decision or, you know, have an input at least in the decision. I was like, okay, I'm on team Will. That's weird, but I'm on team Will. And then Will, and like all of a sudden we find out that Will talked to him about emancipation. I was like, nope, 
never mind. <laughs> I was like, I still think that the kid should be involved in his decision, but that is not the right way to go about this. Yeah, yeah. And when he was like, I think there's a way, I was like, bro, <laughs> stop. Like, justice got canceled. Stop trying to bring up legal concepts. Stop it. You're justice got canceled. out of your depth. Like, stop it. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah. Typical will things. Just, just, you know, we have just severide things, like just will things. Hashtag that. Just will things. Just will things. Except the severide things are cool. The will things are him doing dumb shit. <laughs> I still love him. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, but Stevie drags him, and this scene is just like a work of art. I can't believe you. You are still just like you were in med school, always getting in other people's business. Excuse me? Why couldn't you just leave it alone? I'm trying to help our patient. How? By tearing his family apart? You planted the idea in his head, didn't you? He was distraught. I told him his options. At his mother's expense. You've been judging Maurice and she walked in here. And you've been defending her. Because I don't like seeing that poor woman being attacked. Why are you making this personal? I just think that she deserves someone in her corner. Well, Newsflash TV, she's not our patient, Brandon is. And if he wants my help, I'm going to advocate for him because that is my job. Yours too, though you seem to have forgotten it. I feel like the characters are like snippier towards each other this season. Yes, I was gonna say, it's only been two weeks and obviously this is the first time we've really seen them work together, but I already love their banter. I love that she, because she knows him, even though it's obviously been two weeks given that they have that, you know, past history. I love that she's like, yep, you know what, fuck it. I'm gonna like, if I don't believe you or don't agree with you, like, I'm just gonna say what I feel. I like how she gave us context and she was like, just like in med school. I'm like, oh, so he's been like this for a while. Got it. Mm, Good to know. Got it. Also, did you know the girl who got murdered by Yates? (laughs) (laughs) But really though, that's really what I want to know. No, but actually though, we need to know. (laughs) Yes. Like in my mind, it's canon, but I need that confirmed. Even when Will was like, well, newsflash Stevie, like so-and-so is not our patient. I was like, William, look at you. Seasons one through six, William did not talk like that. (laughs) So Stevie does eventually go talk to the mom and, you know, she empathizes with her. It turns out the mom lost her husband and she doesn't want to lose the kid too. The kid's name is Brandon, but mom eventually agrees to let Brandon out of the trial and go to school in London and do what he wants. And so we get a nice little like reconciliation scene between Will and Stevie, but like, was this flirty? Come on. Well, you're not going to tell me? What'd you say? There you go, sticking your nose in again. Seriously though, I'm sorry that I was hard on you today. You know, I can hit below the belt sometimes, but it's always followed by a healthy dose of guilt. That's any consolation. Oh, it is. (laughs) Dr. Hammer, your paycheck. Thank you. Don't spend it all in one place. Yeah, right. At least I'll be able to make rent this month. Always was your thing. Always loved to cry broke. Well, some of us didn't get a full ride to med school. Well, maybe you spent a little less time on your hair and a little more time in the books. <laughs> what was that? It was definitely flirty. All right. I, partly. I, like I said, I don't need this them to hook up like next episode, but like that's going to happen this season. I'm already like it, it's going to happen. Also, can we talk about them getting their paychecks in like paper form? <laughs> What year is it? I mean, so 
in our office currently like we do get paychecks like physical paychecks i don't like it i don't like the fact that we do that um i'd much rather have direct deposit but like currently i do get a pay like a physical paycheck huh but you guys are like a small private practice right yeah it's only like six of us so it's like not a big deal um but yeah it's a big ass hospital right that's a little weird um and I think it's just because so like obviously now at my job I work for my family and my dad is very stickler like he was all the only doctor actually the only person not even just doctor when he was practicing medicine that still got a physical check the only person out of like 70 employees that got a physical check all right that's just my dad so I it, I don't understand it but I'd rather it just be like in my bank account <laughs> It's just easier that way. It's just so much easier. Now, granted, now that there's like mobile deposit, I guess that makes it a little bit easier. But here's the thing. And this is like such just a weird thing. So obviously when I had, you know, like the bank that I have now, I originally picked the bank that I, you know, am a part of because they had a branch here at home and a branch in DC when I, you know, was going back and forth for college. So it was like, oh, if I really needed something, whatever, I can go at home. Or if I needed to be in DC, I can go there. Well, they've since closed my branch here at home. So like, I don't have like a physical bank that I can go to here. So like I mobile deposit all my checks for work and then they just sit here and I'm like, okay, so I then have to go through the process of like shredding them up. And it's just, it's such a first world problem, but it's so annoying. <laughs> that, that actually like one of my biggest pet peeves is wasting paper. Aside from like on medical dramas when they don't let the characters live, wasting paper is one of my other like big pet peeves. So I'm with you. I hate that. Like anytime the company sends me a physical bill, I'm like, Why? Well, it's not even that. It's just like, okay, it's deposited. And then I sit here and I'm like, okay, I guess I have to shred this up. Like, uh, why? Yep. And you can't just trash it because like then your info's on it. Right. Right. Just yeah. Makes extra work. I bet you anything, Will has a stash of them on like his counter in his kitchen or something that he just hasn't trashed yet. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Because I do. So... <laughs> <laughs> like literally like right there but um okay back to the uh stevie will flirty thing okay i have this like idea in my head that the first time we're gonna see something like more between them they would totally be the two to be like have uh stress of the day reaction sex Ooh. right like wouldn't that be like the first time like oh no we shouldn't do this it's only a one-time thing and then it like obviously probably would become more and more but like I just picture that in my head like something really stressful happens and then they fall into bed together and they're like oh no no that was just a one-time thing and then I could absolutely see that yeah that's just how I, I don't know why that's what I picture with them I'm not gonna hate it if they go there I'm not gonna hate it okay Will just needs to find himself first yeah Keep like work, work on yourself Will work on yourself William she will be there but you know what? It actually, even if they did want to give us Will and Stevie like sooner rather than later, I understand though, because they know each other and they've known each other for a while. So the foundation's already there. Right. I'm not talking, but like Will needs to work on himself first. No, he absolutely does. Like it's not about even again, like I don't have anything against them being a couple. Like I actually think that would kind of be a good pairing. I didn't think that before we met Stevie, but now that we've met Stevie and like gotten to know her a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. But Will's relationship with her is going to go down to 
you know, become shit if he doesn't work on himself first. So yeah. work on yourself, William. Yeah. <laughs> yep. William. <laughs> William. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, last up, we've got Vanessa, Archer, and Crockett. This trio. Oh, my. Oh, man. Oh, man. Take it away. This is good okay. stuff. Yes. So it's Vanessa's birthday. Um, and we find this out because Maggie has left her a cupcake in her locker. And at first Maggie's like, oh my God, did I overstep? And Vanessa's actually like, no, like I, you know, I really appreciate it. Obviously Maggie's the only one that really knows because hello. Anyway. (laughs) Um, and so Maggie's like, Hey, like if it's not overstepping again, like I would love to like take you out for a drink after work. And Vanessa actually agrees. So progress. Progress. (laughs) Yes. Um, side note, did you see the TikTok that Aisha filmed with Merlin last week? Yes, of course I did. I think <laughs> I sent it to you. It was so cute. I oh love, I, Aisha, like, is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, love her, like, TikToks and all the stuff that she posts. Like, her videos are really fun. She did the same TikTok with um, Guy, and yeah. I thought it was so funny. Yeah, so, so cute. I like forgot for a second when she posted that TikTok with Marlin. She was like, "Ha, I love her." I was like, "Oh yeah, they're not their characters, duh, Gina." Like, yeah, it was cute. Um, so we get, you know, the patients get brought in. So we've got a motorcyclist that was hit by a woman. Of course, you know, didn't see him. And so Crockett takes the woman and checks her out, and Vanessa and Archer take the guy on the motorcycle. And his arm is like mangled. It, it it's it's bad. It's bad. And so Archer, of course, is immediately like, "We've got to amputate." And then Vanessa, though, has another idea. Amputation. Yeah, that's what I said. Unless you have a better idea. Well, if the brachial artery is out, which I suspect it is, can't we try to revascularize the arm with a reverse saphenous vein graft? All right, we do that, and the repair goes down. And what happens? The arm dies, now he's septic, now he might die. Right, forget it, dumb idea. No, 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 not a dumb idea. Good decisions come from experience, and experience comes from bad decisions, okay? Actually, you might want to scrub in for this if you got the stomach for it. That'd be incredible. Thank you, Dr. Archer. All right, I'll come grab you once the patient's prepped. Archer is such a mansplainy prick. Oh my God, Archer's the worst. Just the little digs in there. He's like, if you can stomach it, fuck you, dude. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. But Crockett was impressed. Yes, and Crockett noticed. He didn't say anything, but he noticed. Mm-hmm. And so Vanessa decides to actually go to Crockett for a second opinion, and we get this interesting scene. I just, I can't shake this feeling that we still might be able to save Sean's arm. Huh. But Archer is, is probably right, right? Well, there's an argument for either side, honestly. But for my money, I would have gone with what you suggested. You would have? Yeah. There's nothing dumb about your idea. I have a feeling you already know that. Should we have to go upstairs? Great. I just, look, I don't even ruffle any feathers. Archer is the chief of ED, and I'm like barely a doctor. Oh, actually, you are a doctor. A very sharp one at that. Look, I understand work politics and power hierarchies, all of that. The next time you're feeling passionately about something, don't be afraid to stand by it. I learned early on, sometimes you got to choose between being respected and being liked. 
this was a beautiful piece of advice. Okay. I love this. However, I see where the conflict comes, right? Cause she's a brand new doctor. Mm-hmm. So she's got to like establish the basics before she can start like talking back. But also Crockett was dead on. Well, yeah, no, I think there's a difference between like talking back and standing up for what you believe. Mm-hmm. And I think he was just, it may not have come off exactly that way, but I think he was just trying to encourage her to, you know, like you are a doctor, like you're not a medical student, like you are a doctor and you have to go with your gut. And if your gut is telling you something different, then like you have to stand with that and like, you know, be bold in that choice. That Um, was really important too. When she said I'm half a doctor and he was like, no, you're an actual doctor. Like that was really important. Yeah. I still struggle with that. Like a decade later, like in in my professional like position. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. So Vanessa takes his advice and actually does stand up to Archer with her idea. Um, But of course, Archer does not take it that well. And you know, especially when Vanessa's like, I also consulted with Dr. Marcel and he's like, oh, what? Hmm? Huh? Did you immediately hear that and just go, uh-oh. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, what? Um, mm. So basically Archer's like, okay, well you and Marcel can present the option to the family. And if things go badly, then you get to tell them that too. And it's just like, okay. So she tells Maggie, you know, about what, Crockett said and Maggie tells Crockett and Maggie's like listen like you can't tell her that stuff and she's like your two sets have consequences like remember that but ultimately it all works out the Crockett does the surgery it's a little touch and go for a while but it works out um and so Vanessa's really happy that you know her idea was actually allowed him to save his arm um also this whole time, so earlier in this episode, Goodwin asked Crockett about being an advisor to one of the residents. Like It's like a new program they're doing. And at first, Crockett's like, eh, I don't know, whatever. And Goodwin's like, okay, well, think about it. And so Vanessa, after they have this successful surgery, Vanessa brings it up and it's like, you know, I've not been paired with anyone. Like, would you be my advisor? And Crockett says, yes. I'm so here for Minter Crockett. This is going to be so good. It's going to be so good. He is going to mentor her into like the most razor sharp doctor in that hospital. It's going to be amazing. And she's going to take absolutely no shit. It's going to be so good. So good. Um, But yeah, I'm here for that. And so, but of course now she's not happy with Maggie and they're back to square one because she doesn't like the fact that when she told, you know, was telling Maggie about, you know, the stuff going on that Maggie then went to Crockett. She doesn't like that. So things are great with Vanessa and Crockett. Not so great with Vanessa and Maggie. Oh, I'm so excited for the Vanessa Crockett partnership. Yeah, but we did get, I forgot to put it in the outline, but we did get a comment from Jess on mm-hmm. Twitter, uh, Jess Loves Otters, and it said, does Crockett being Vanessa advisor mean we're going to see a mentor-mentee relationship between them? And if so, how do you think it will be different from Crockett and Noah's relationship? Because obviously, remember, in the beginning, Crockett kind of started taking Noah under his wing a little bit. Um, but the thing is, I think he was taking Noah under his wing a little bit but a it wasn't trying he wasn't trying to be noah's mentor 
Like, I think there's a difference between like Crockett just trying to, you know, like share a little advice here and there and Crockett like really going for the role of a mentor and knowing that someone is listening to every and hanging on to every word he says. But also Crockett, I think he's just changed a lot as a person in those like two years um obviously his relationship with natalie you know opening up finally about his daughter like i think crockett is just to become a lot more humble and i don't think he's as cocky as he was when he first got here absolutely absolutely so i think it'll be a big difference i think it's gonna work really well with vanessa mm-hmm. same so. same so all in all a good episode yeah a lot they're setting up for that i'm really excited about yeah absolutely Absolutely. So moving into fire. So this was a heavy one. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in this one. So let's start off with Brett and Herman. So Brett wakes up early to get started on her project and Casey very soon joins her in the kitchen. Um, Side note, that hoodie she was wearing, totally have one of those. Totally clocked that. And I was like, yes, I love that hoodie. Super comfy. So Brett's been doing research and she's been up since like five, just like printing things. And like, I admire her energy because like five in the morning, no, Mm-mm. I'm still like rolled over in bed. Not happening. Yeah. At 5 a.m. Yes. 6 a.m. I'm up. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, Charlie's going out of town this weekend and he was like, I'm probably going to leave at like 730. I'm like, I will still be asleep. So have fun with that. Have fun. So basically Brett wants to model a program after this pilot paramedicine program in San Diego. That's basically, it's a nonprofit. It's a private ambulance service and they cater to the frequent 911 callers that call with non-emergencies. Okay. Um, That way it frees up ambulances who are on shift to handle actual emergencies. So, um, Mm -hmm. and, and then like, of course, Casey's like, well, where, where, what time have you been up since? And she was like, oh, probably five. And then of course they had like a cute little make out scene because Bretzy just, just love them. They're still in that newbie phase where they're just like, oh my God, I love you. Like that's them. I know. And I love every second of it. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Pretty great. So all of 51 gets called out to help a truck driver and a car that have crashed into each other. And this is like one of those, it's like back from when um, Brett and Mills went missing in the mid-season finale where like the car is completely underneath this truck mm-hmm. and like the top of the car is completely shorn off. Yep. Crazy. So they get the lady out and then Casey asks the engine to stay back and do overhaul. And so Herman and Ritter are like, yeah, cool. We got it. Whatever. So when they pull the car out from the truck, Herman hears a sound, which like, I didn't even hear it. Did you hear it? No, it took like two or three watches before I finally like kind of really heard something. Is this one of those things where like they put it on a frequency where like younger people and dogs can hear it, but older people cannot? <laughs> I guess, but it's also really funny too. Cause I, you know how the Wolf Entertainment account tweets about, you know, like all the behind the scenes stuff. They were talking about the fact that like it, they filmed it, you know, the way they filmed it had to do like with from the severide angle which we'll get to when we get to the cruise stuff but like from the severide angle you're not supposed to see it so Mm -hmm. like you obviously have no idea but obviously then you get to the herman angle and you can see that there's a kid in there yeah crazy crazy so herman hears a kid just like struggling and ritter doesn't even hear it but he turns Mm -hmm. like he he takes off the shorn part basically and they find a kid 
like at mm-hmm. the like uh, he's like basically in front of like by the back seat but he's like wedged in between the driver's seat and the back seat and they get him out they try to call for an ambo but the nearest one is 15 minutes out which like what that happened I know. holy crap so herman takes matters into his own hands here he calls brett on her cell and she and violet are like a couple blocks away with a frequent flyer so they get there they take care of the kid they get him to med and so brett finds herman when they get back and she, they're like he's like she's like hey little boy's stable for now and herman is like rocked to the core okay he's like he's rocked to the core so little boy is stable that's awesome herman's just like i already called cindy had her do a head count on the kids like that'll never stop even though i kind of wish it would but kylie comes in and she's just like Bowden wants you guys in his office so Bowden's there but so is chief hawkins he's the new paramedic field chief okay but like he's handsome but yeah he's kind of a dick kind of a dick no he's an absolute dick yeah 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 so he's pissed that Brett rerouted herself to the call without going through dispatch. And he's like, well, this is like suspension, even termination. And Herman's like, no, no, like I lied to her and I had already cleared it with dispatch, which is not the case. Neither one of them cleared it with dispatch and they just went ahead. And Herman just said, he's like, you want somebody's head, you're going to take mine. And so, um, Herman goes into Bowden's empty office the next shift, which, like, we'll get there. But that empty office just, like, hurt. It it really hurts. It hurt. It hurt. But Bowden says, he's like, you've got to submit a report. Or he's like, you know, I have to submit a report on you for the incident last shift. Herman, this type of accident is a pretty serious mark on your record. Could affect your career going forward and prevent any further promotions You sure you want to take the head for this? It's a small price to pay for a kid's life. Listen, please, don't mention this to Brad or anybody else. You know, she was incredible out there, and I don't want her to feel any worse than she already does, so. I'm gonna miss working beside you, Christopher. Let's not get sentimental, okay? Uh, there you are. How about a uh, weekly morning coffee? I don't know. You and me, Manny Stelly, huh? Mondays. Mondays it is. So they're basically going to John Nolan him? I, yeah, I think so. Okay. Like I said, I really think that he's going to, I don't know if they'll strip him of, I don't really know how it works. Like when you get demoted, like, are you still a lieutenant? You just can't practice. Like, do you get stripped entirely of your lieutenants? Like, I, I don't know specifically how it works in this world, but my theory is that Herman is no longer a lieutenant and that's why Stella gets to step in. Interesting. And how Stella gets to stay at 51. It's a little bit of a bummer the way the scene is structured because like this whole scene where they're talking about weekly coffees, it's totally sentimental and emotional, but I feel like that gets lost in the fact that Bowden just said, he's like, this might cost you a promotion. This might cost you this, this, and this. 
Yeah, a little bit. Um, but I still felt like it was they did a good job, and maybe it's just Eamon and um David being like such pros, pros actors that mm-hmm. like I thought they nailed it. Um, because by the end I was they were like talking about their weekly coffees, and I'm like, okay, like it's fine. Um, but yeah, I think I think Herman is gonna have the price to pay, and it kind of sucks too. Again, not that I don't want Stella to be a lieutenant, because obviously I do. But if that is what happens, it kind of sucks because Herman for so long, like, you know, kept failing his lieutenant's test and failing his lieutenant's test. And then he finally got, you know, aced it. And then it was like, okay, well, he waited so long to actually get placement and become a lieutenant. And then he did. And he's been great at it. And it's like, it would kind of suck to see him lose it. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately, this is a different kind of leadership. Like he stuck up for Brett and didn't let Brett, you know, take the fall. And, you know, like he did the right thing regardless. Like he saved a life and, you know, he wasn't willing to let Brett take the fall when it wasn't really her fault. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that in itself is leadership, but it still would suck. I think to see Herman lose his fuels or, you know, be demoted if whatever the case is. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, we've got to circle back to like how ridiculous this is to begin with is that like, he saved a little kid's life and he's getting in trouble for that. Well, that's what Herman, that's what Herman even says in the scene with Bowden, you know, cause Bowden's like, you sure you want to take the hit for this? And he's like, it's a small price to pay for a kid's life. It's true. Yeah. And that's what really frustrated me about the whole thing. Like, yes, I get it. Like technically they should have probably gone through dispatch for dispatch just to know where Brett and Violet are, whatever. Okay, fine. But like they are there to save lives. Mm-hmm. And if they saved the kid's life, like, sure, if you want to say, you know, I don't suspended or whatever. Okay, sure. Fine. But like termination, I was like, really? Really? No. And like, maybe like a a political, like bureaucratic decision to the CFD, but to that mom that they pulled out of the car, that's her entire world. Right. Right. And especially when the fact that they've been dealing with so many non-frequent fires anyway, you know, they've been having all these calls. There are, there are, you know, no ambos that are, you know, there are not, or there are not enough ambos. So the fact that they were actually able to finally make it to a scene that actually really mattered. Oh, so, so what? Did they didn't go through dispatch? Yeah. 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 And even if they had, and they still were like 15 minutes for an ambo. Well, if the kid had died, I mean, that would be a disaster for CFD. Herman would not mm-hmm. like let himself live. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just yeah. ridiculous that they want to penalize him for that. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. yeah. So stupid. Yeah. Um, so Brett finds Bowden just as he's leaving his office and she just asks him about being her supervisor for the, the paramedicine project. And he's like, listen, I'd love to, but now that I have a new job, I can't sign off on things like that anymore. She has to go through Chief Hawkins. Well, and I love how she's like, wait, you mean Chief Hawkins who said he hoped he never see me again? Like that same person? Bones like, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, but like, are we really doing this with Bowden? Is he really going to the ivory tower? I think so. Okay. Derek yeah. keeps saying that this season is going to change everything about the show. That is what, you know, like our things are going to change about the show as we know it. And like, I think this is really happening. 
I think this is really happening. That's crazy. It's wild. I just didn't, it didn't loom over me the entire episode. It was just something where like every time I saw his bare office, I was like, stop it. Just stop it. Okay. That's just not necessary. But like, yeah, Mm -hmm. they might actually be. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Man. Hmm. I hate change. I know. Makes me sad too. So we got a couple listener thoughts on this one. Megan R sent us a message and she said, Herman and Sylvie working together is a new dynamic that I can get behind. And then in all caps, she said, the way he stood up for her, yes. Um, And she also said, I don't like this new chief at all. Herman and Brett saved a child's life. That should take precedence over protocol any day. It really should. That's why it just blows my mind that like they really want to come down on Herman for this. Yeah. Can you imagine that kid like later in life, like finding out, oh, you were like one decision away from dying? Basically. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. So I, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen with Herman now. If he's going to just temporarily like disappear in service suspension, AKA go film sex in the city or what? I don't know. Crazy. I don't know. All right, we got to talk about Casey. <laughs> oh, man. I'm the newest Firefly. superhero. Firefly. Firefly. Okay, so Gallo and Ritter walk in a shift, and they are, like, freaking out because Casey's rescue video has now gone viral. And apparently the internet has even given him a superhero nickname, the Firefly, like... I'm mad that we didn't think of that. It is a great... It is a pretty good one. It's pretty great. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, and so Gal is like, listen, like you're probably be gaining a bunch of followers right now. Like, if you want me to set you up with social media, like I, I got you. But Casey's like, I'm good. Casey will never be on social media ever. This storyline made him look like such an old grandpa. It was fantastic. Such an awkward dad. Yeah. Um, so basically they get back from their call and two girls who go to St. Ignatius high school, high school stop by the firehouse and they're like can we take a photo with you like oh my god and casey is like so awkward like he's like oh you mean a self oh oh, oh okay like it's just it's he is the definition of an awkward dad even in the photo he's awkward like doesn't he stand between them and like cross his arms <laughs> or something like he does something awkward it's so awkward oh it's and so like bad. he hates the attention so much that like he tries to deflect and he's like, actually, if you're interested in this, like our Stella and Girls on Fire is a program you might be interested in and like, take it away, Stella. Um, and then of course, like when he he's like so done with it and everyone's like teasing him out on the way and Severide's like, you should stop showboating. And <laughs> it's just, it, it's so, it's so cute. So later on, Bowden finds Casey in his quarters and he's like, listen, and Casey's like trying to apologize. He's like, listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, I didn't know it was going to come viral. And Bowden's like, actually, the CFD wants you to lean into the notoriety and like capitalize on the publicity. And they actually have this request of him. So cut to Casey doing this interview with the local news outside of the firehouse. And he actually still is not comfortable with that. And he's like, can we also talk about like, you know, our paramedic Sylvie's like paramedicine plan, like the lack of ambos, you know, yeah, like he doesn't want to talk about himself. He hates every minute of this. <laughs> and it's great. It's so funny. So every 
everyone's gathered at Molly's after that next shift to watch Casey's big interview on the TV, but it suddenly gets cut from the news for some woman out of Florida pulling her dog from the mouth of an alligator. And so Casey, so Casey's 15 minutes of fame are like over. And he's so okay with it. He's like, fine, cool, awesome. Yeah. And in fact, he's the only reason he's sad about it. He's like, oh, but then he get to hear about your paramedicine plan. And Brett's like, it's it's okay. It's cool. It's cool. He's like, he wants, he's sad for her. And I'm like, really? Like, uh, okay. So this though, I think is like the best scene. So Casey and Severide and Stella roll up to shift the next morning. And like, there are some teenagers across the street and they call at him from across the street. And one of the girls is like, my friend thinks you're hot. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I think that's actually happened to Jesse Spencer before? Because it probably has. It probably has. It's so funny though. It's so true. A little awkward, but like really funny. And Severide and Stella are dying. And Severide's just like, I hope this never ends. <laughs> and Stella says something about like, oh man, I guess you're still a teenage heartthrob. And Severide starts doing like the heartbeat movement with his <laughs> hand. And it's just, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And Casey's just so awkward. My friend thinks you're hot. He's like, he doesn't yeah he's just he's like not another word (laughs) he hates it so much it's amazing um it's so funny because i feel like the only other person who would have really been like i mean severide probably would have been like it to some extent herman i could have seen acting like this but it just the storyline works so well for casey like it just it works so well with it's so perfect yeah um so at the end of the episode, Ritter comes and finds Casey just as he's leaving Chef, and he's like, oh, you know, there's one more teenager looking for him. And Casey's like, really? And he's like, oh, well, okay, I guess I can take like one more selfie. So he goes down the hallway and he sees this teenager like looking at Darden's picture on the wall. Now that's a firefighter worthy of hero worship, Andy Darden. He's a good friend of mine. Gave his life in the line of duty. Uh, I know, Matt. Here's my dad. Griffin? I'd ask what's new, but I already saw you all over Reddit. That was some safe. <laughs> Look at you! It's been a while, huh? What is it, seven, eight years? <laughs> Feels like a lifetime, bud. <laughs> How are you? How's Ben? How's your mom? What is it, Griffin? What's wrong? That. Uh, I need your help. Griffin Darden is back, y'all. Griffin! Oh, man. <sighs> I know. My it's. Heart. Yeah. He's got to be like 1920 now. I'm doing math. No, I think he's 18. It's crazy. It's 17, 18, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, I mean, it's kind of, I feel like to some people, this was probably like a real shock. Mm-hmm. We've obviously seen it teased, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff for like months now, I feel like. So for us, it's not like as shocking of an ending. Right. Um, But there's a lot 
I mean, obviously this is just one scene too, but like, I'm really curious to see next week, like why Dart, why Griffin's all of a sudden back? Like he says, you know, cause Matt's asking him, he's like, you know, how's Ben? How's your mom? And he doesn't answer him. So like, I wonder if something's up with one of them. I think Ben's in some trouble if I remember correctly. Yeah. But so I don't know. It should be, it should be interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how the episode ends. Crazy. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we did have some listener thoughts. Um, Allison G asked, she said, what's your take on Griffin coming back? She said, I really thought after everything that's happened in the last two years, when he just stared at K- after KCF, stared after Casey asked about his mom that he was going to say she died of COVID. But then when he said he needed Casey's help, I wonder if he wants to become a firefighter, but Heather wouldn't agree to it. Or was there some other issue preventing him from doing so? Oh man. Um, from what I've heard, Ben's got some sort of issue. Yeah. And I think you can't join the Academy till 20 or 21. I don't Is know. that right? I think so. That's what people keep saying. So I don't think he's old enough technically quite yet to become a firefighter interesting so but yeah i'm i'm really excited i think this is gonna be some really good like emotional stuff for Mm -hmm. matt i hope we get to see it with severi too obviously like we don't really talk about the impact darden had on severide and like the fact that that's what tore severide and casey's friendship apart yeah and like so i hope that it's not just like a casey storyline i although i think it's primarily going to be a casey storyline i think it'll hopefully be some severide emotional stuff in there too but i think this is going to span for a while i think we're going to be with griffin for a little bit so i'm cool with that it was it was good to see him it was just like oh my god griffin like well it's a different actor it is so it you know it's not the exact same, but so it's a little weird, but um, yeah, it's still like, I'm excited to see more of that. Absolutely. Um, the other question I had from this whole bit. Okay. So if Casey's superhero name is Firefly, what the hell is Severides? <laughs> I like how that's where your mind went. Absolutely. It's where my mind went. We've only been saying that Severides a superhero for like years now. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it. I'm... He can't be Firefox. That's Marjan on a. Yeah, no, no, no. He's definitely not Firefox. That is Marjan. <laughs> he could be Fire Stick. <laughs> um, I'm googling fire names. Just, just, just deal with me. Um, fire names for boys. Let's see. What are some good fire-related names? Let's find out. Okay, well, these are just like. These have like deep meanings. They're not like puns. Um, fire stick. <laughs> oh, that cracks me up. Fire names for boys. Let's see. I'm just thinking. These are all like actual names. No, I need superhero names. Come on now. <laughs> we'll circle back to it. We'll circle back to it. Ugh, fine. I'm gonna because go otherwise stick we could now. be down this rabbit hole for a while adventures of firefly and fire stick <laughs> and there's some spider-man <laughs> oh lordy it's so good it's so good okay so last up we've got Nouch and the little free library not oh, last up but okay last up. second to last <laughs> up second to last up who am i forgetting i'm forgetting cruise sorry cruise oh <laughs> oops 
not last up. Cruz is very important. We love him. Mm-hmm. Oops. Okay. So Mouch and the Little Free Library. Oh my God. Okay. So Mouch decides that he's going to put one up down at the end of the apron. So he's like, we're doing this. Cap donates some of Macy's old books because they've broken up. They broke up? Sad. Macy, we hardly knew thee. I know. It's a shame. Such a shame. Not cool. So Mouch starts going off on a tangent about how like you need variety in your little free library when Gallo notices a little something by the name of Sheets on Fire. <laughs> Such an amazing I, callback. Like cackled. Like, yes, excellent callback. Excellent callback. So since the CFD stopped it five years ago, I can't believe Sheets on Fire was five years ago. I, I for real though. Yeah. He decided to put a copy in there so that his labor of love could be shared with the world. Such a mouch thing to do. Such a mouch thing to do. A little free library that's probably geared towards kids. And he puts a romance novel. Of course. Of course. So Mouch and Ritter check on the little free library after shift and they're stopped by this woman. And this woman's like, oh, so you endorse this. So like, why was my kid reading this smut? (laughs) Uh, and yeah, she obviously figured that out, but right after she leaves, Mouch sticks it back in there, which like was hilarious. I died when she called it trash and I was like, Hey, what you call trash, we call fan fiction. So like, watch yourself, lady. Right. We call treasure. Like, (laughs) yeah, we call that gold. So like you (laughs) stop that. So the next shift, Cap starts running through the halls with the extinguisher yelling fire. Okay, I'm sorry, but any situation that begins with Cap running down with a fire extinguisher screaming fire is going to be hysterical. Oh my God, as soon as that even happened, just that one part, I was like, I'm already dying laughing. I was like, this is amazing. And then it just gets better and better and better. I feel like our reaction was supposed to be like, oh no, but I was laughing already. I was like, oh shit, like, oh no, oh no. (laughs) It's so good. No one come any closer. This is a crime scene now. Mm, I don't think Brett. I... This is arson. The worst kind, a book burning. So if you don't mind, I would like to contact the Office of Fire Investigation. The little free library was on fire. So we uh, we got a tweet that was like, oh, sheets on fire is now like literally sheets on fire. Like sheets of paper on fire. I was like, oh, or mouch <laughs> he's like so if you don't mind i'm gonna contact ofi and the whole time this is happening i'm like just just go ask severide just you have like all of ofi inside his name is severide just like go they get interrupted by those damn bells those damn bells every time well they get back from the call and mouch asks severide for like his take he's like you've got like i need your skills you've got to prove that this was arson Severide never gets in on the comedy storyline. It was so funny. So it was like the best. It's so funny. Oh my God. So Sev starts sticking around and he finds Mouch's reading glasses. And it's like the oldest fire trick in the book where like the sun reflects on it and it makes some sort of spark that makes fire. And Mouch's eyeglasses started the fire. Fucking Mouch. It's just art. Like it really is though. Summeride never gets in on the comedy storyline, like ever. So that was nice, even if it was like a second. Really, I think the best scene for me personally is the one before this, you know, the one where we just talking about the fact that he's like, 
he's like, this is a crime scene now. And then Brett's like, I don't think. And she's like, he's like, Brett, <laughs> this is Ursa. It's just, I can't even do it justice the way that Christian Stolte does. But like, it's so good. Amazing. That was, that was a good one. That was a really good one. And, and just that it was like the oldest trick in the book with like reflective lenses and stuff like that. Oh my God. It was so good. And who Like these B stories are not easy to come up with. And every week they do such a good job. Every week I'm dying laughing. Yeah. Like it, it's hard, but they do a really good job. And like, I, I need to make a gif of Cap running through the halls going fire. fire! <laughs> that and um, when Gallo gets back from the call and he like flexes, I need to make that gif Yes. Too. Yes. That gif. I need that gif. He's just um, so adorable. Yeah. But um, we did get a listener thought. Megan said the sheets of fi- on fire thing was actually a huge letdown. I really wanted to see Casey find out about it, but it was still funny though. Don't get me wrong, but she wishes that Casey got to find out about it. Oh man, if Casey found out that his girlfriend wrote, wrote like smut thick back in the day. Would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Um, luckily, there are a bunch of fan fictions out there where that cover just that. But um, yeah. I got to spend some more time on AO3. You really do, though. I really do. We need to do a second fan fiction episode. We, yeah, this winter hiatus, it's happening. 100%. But Logan's got to join us. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's dive into cruise. Last up for the fire section. Let's Brian, was that an intentional pun? No. You said dive in. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Poor cruise poor cruise so cruise's part starts when you know all of 51 gets called to that truck driver car crash situation so severide's like hey cruise like mask up like they were gonna go in and help the woman in the car and so they get under the truck and they start working on the car you know to working on the car to get the driver out and engine has opened the trailer you know, of the truck and they start spraying water in there. Cause obviously that's where the fire is. And the water has started seeping into the floorboards of the truck and starts leaking onto separated crews who are underneath it. And so because the water is coming in on them, crew starts panicking because obviously that clearly has reminded him of the boat incident. And he immediately like backs out and starts like freaking out with his mask Stella ultimately steps in and helps Severide get the woman out, but, like, Cruz is not okay. Poor Cruz. Yeah. So, of course, they get back, and Stella asks Cruz, like, what happens? And Cruz is like, actually, you know, I just didn't get a good fit on my mask. Like, I figure I'd step out a minute to fix it. He's like, I didn't, you know, like, I wasn't trying to get you to, like, jump in right away. Stella's like, no, 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 like, it's fine. And, like, she clearly doesn't believe what he's saying and like looks really concerned but he's like insists that he's okay mm-hmm. when clearly he's not so when herman finally gets back from the call severed's oh severed's like oh i heard your ambo request you know over the radio like what was that about and herman's like oh you know there was a kid actually in the backseat of the car severed's like i never saw him and cruise too starts really beating himself up over not having been more helpful on that call He's like really, you know, starting to take it hard. So later on at Molly's after shift, Stella asks Cruz like whether how he's doing. And he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And he comes up with this excuse, you know, that he's like, oh, Chloe's on her way home. Like I got to go and just kind of like bolts. 
So whenever I finally shows up to Molly, Stella's like, hey, have you noticed anything going on with Cruz? And he's like, listen, I haven't, but like, I'll keep an eye on him. And then we cut to, is it sunrise or sunset? I think it's sunset. I think Cruz left Molly's to go like stare at the water at Navy Pier, which that can't be an easy commute. Well, I think that's correct too. I just assumed it was sunrise only because why would they be going? Why would they all be at Molly's that early? Like, I feel like normally they don't show up to Molly's till like eight. Maybe they went early. I don't know. I don't know. Sunrise, sunset, whatever it's supposed to be. But like Gina said, you cut to the scene at Cruz just like staring out by the Navy Pier, like just standing up by the water, just like staring. But also why did I, I, I'm, I kind of want to like smack Severide a little bit and just be like, pay attention to your men. Why does Stella, like, why does Stella have to be the one to bring it to your attention? Right. So we get squad and truck get called out to this apartment complex where one of the balconies has fallen and got a guy on the one who was like out on the one below like pinned in so squad decides to go up to the roof and like rappel down from there and everyone's like hey you know cruz we're gonna do this whatever cat tony be the anchors whatever but cruz starts freaking out again so he's like cap take my place instead like you don't really get to do this like i'll be the anchor so and they had something like save the boy, you know, it's like not a big deal. But when they get back from the call, Cruz is just kind of like solemnly like walking back into the common room. And then like Severide and Stella just give each other this look. And so as like Cruz is walking back into the common room, like Herman invites him over and actually introduces him to the mom and the boy from the car rescue earlier. And she's just like, thank you, you know, thank you so much. You know, I finally get to see, you know, I was afraid I wasn't going to see my boy grow up, but like now I get to, you know, all that stuff. And Cruz just doesn't really even know what to say. He's just really at a loss for words. So shifts over and as Cruz is changing out, you know, at the end of shift, like Severide comes and finds him for a little chat. Hey, Lieutenant. You, uh, going to change out of her? Shifts over. Yeah, I will. What are you doing? I need to know if you're okay. <laughs> I'm good, Lieutenant. 100%. I feel great. Okay. Good here. Catch you later. Yeah. I love how Severide's just like, I'm not even going to like beat around the bush. He's just like, I need to know if you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a little bummed that Cruz still doesn't feel like he can confide in Kelly. Uh, yeah. I'm a and little the, bummed about that. And the thing too is that like, you know, obviously at the end, you know, Cruz is like, okay, we'll catch you later. Like the look on Severide's face, like Severide doesn't believe it one bit. But he's still going to let him keep working. Yeah. I mean, Until granted, next week, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, granted, every every time Severide has been not okay, he's tried to work through it. Uh, and and I, I guess, I, I get that, I guess. But, like, I really, I, I feel bad for Joe that he feels like he can't be vulnerable with his work family. Like, he's known these people for a decade now. They probably know him better than Chloe does. 
and he still feels like he can't be vulnerable with them. I feel bad for him. Well, I think there's a difference too, right? Like, I think there's a difference between like saying, Hey, like, I'm not sure about my relationship or I'm not sure about this, but like, this is really affecting everybody. Cause you Mm -hmm. know, if Cruz is not up for the job, then something could go wrong and he could get, you know, somebody else hurt. And so I think he's afraid to tell them that he's not okay. You know, like you said, in that sense, I think he'd be comfortable, you know, opening up about something else but not about not in that sense and yeah it's really I, I'm worried I'm worried about Cruz like yeah. I really am yeah uh, last week I mean like last week I was like okay like he's struggling with his mass he's clearly you know not okay but I was not as worried like this week I'm like oh shit like this well- is yeah. Yeah. The water falling on him. I was like, I completely get that. I completely get it. But the repelling part, I was like, okay, now he's afraid to do his job completely. Like that's a problem. Yeah. Well, and that's clearly what next week's whole promo was about. Is that like, you know, he tries to go down in that tunnel or whatever. And then it looks like he freaks out and stuff, right. You know, has to chastise him, but like, if you're not okay, it's okay not to be okay. And if you are struggling, it is okay for him to not be okay. Mm-hmm. But like, you have to say that and not put everyone else's lives at risk too. Yes. Yes. You guys, let's normalize like speaking up when you're not okay. Let's normalize yes. that. It's yes. okay not to be okay. Bryna just said it. Let's normalize that shit. Yeah. Because you obviously had that even in the meta episode too. You had, you know, the girl who was going through all that stuff at work Mm -hmm. the unicef girl and you know didn't feel like she could talk you know felt like she had to be okay even though she was struggling we get it in pd too yeah i really like that the shows are really like tackling that big time big time just yeah you guys let's normalize that shit yeah it's okay not to be okay Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um Oh, and also the Severide eyes in this scene were like amazing. Had they to were. get Severide eyes in there. They were amazing. Why have we not made that a t-shirt yet? Because I can't figure out how to do it. I can't figure out the best way to like design it. We should ask Haley to, uh, what, what's, uh, Haley, that's her name. Haley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should ask Haley to do that. Okay. I'm going to message her right now. Um. Anyway, so Megan R. also said about this. She said, I'm glad that Stella noticed something was wrong with Cruz. Happy she told Kelly and he's talking to him about it. Talk to someone, Joe, for the love of God. Yes. And if you can't, if you don't feel like you're comfortable enough in the 51, then just find someone to talk to somewhere. Like, go find Dr. Charles. Like, go find someone to talk to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I... I feel like everybody needed to talk to Dr. Charles this week. Like a lot of people there, there should be a line outside of his office after these episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other notes on this cruise storyline. I feel like I have like so much to say, but I just like, I don't know. I, I feel, I, I feel really bad for him. Cause like, I just kind of, I remember when I was at like my worst with anxiety when I was still in grad school and I felt like I couldn't talk about it at all because we were, you know, on our way to becoming lawyers and like, we had to be okay and composed. And like 10 years later now, I'm just like, man, like that sucked. 
Yeah. Well, and I have to imagine too, like, I'm curious to see whether or not they go through with like Cruz taking, needing to take some time off of work. Like, how is this going to affect him feeling, you know, about his impending fatherhood? Like, I think there's a lot of different ways they can go with this. And I'm curious to see like which direction they seem to go in. Yeah. So I, I think it'll, I think it'll be good. I hope so. I hope so. And like one more thing on the mental health stuff and then I'll shut up. I promise. But like, you guys go back to med for a second, this girl, Krista, who like came in and sought help. That is like the bravest thing that she could have done. And it takes a lot, a lot, but like, that's okay. It's okay. What she did. And it's okay. What Cruz is going through. It's okay. What Burgess is going through. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yep. It's okay. Not to be okay. Yes. hundred percent. And it's okay to ask for help. Yep. Always. Yep. Like always. So I'm just going to hop off my soapbox. Any other notes on fire? No, it was a good solid episode, but I'm really curious. I think I'm more excited for next week's with all the uh, Griffin stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really good. Okay. It's PD time. Everybody take a breath, stretch it out, refill your drink. Oh man. More stretching. Okay. Stretch, stretch, stretch. Oh boy. Okay. Woo. This episode. This is how Kim got her groove back. Mm-hmm. Kim blows me away with her strength. Yeah. Like it's just so effortless. And like she doesn't even realize how strong she is. She really doesn't. And she thinks she's not, but she is. And it's just, yeah, I freaking love Kimber just it's amazing it's amazing it just she went through something like monumentally horrible the kind of stuff that would affect somebody for the rest of their life and she finds a way to rise above it every time yeah and she keeps going and she doesn't succumb to the darkness and that is just beyond admirable yeah it's incredible okay so the episode opens and Kim is in the bathroom changing her bandages. Did you catch the season two parallel with this scene? No. You know how at the end, when she gets shot in season two, she gets out of bed and she goes into the bathroom and just kind of like looks in the mirror for a while. Like all her Oh, scars. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she changes, she changes her clothes. She goes and sits in the living room and she's kind of waiting for Michaela and Adam to come back with breakfast. That's the first time I've said that together. Michaela and Adam. And Adam. <laughs> <laughs> that was so nice. <laughs> so they come back with breakfast and like the domesticity of this moment oh my god oh my god it's so cute like Michaela comes in and she's like we got pancakes and then she's like when they found out that Adam was a cop they were gonna give him a coffee for free but he didn't accept it he took a discount instead (laughs) it's so cute Ramona is the cutest little girl oh my god she really is though I died during the premiere week when she tweeted her picture with apple juice and she was like, toast. I was like, oh my God. I know. She's so cute. So while they're doing that, they also, they give Michaela a little bit of crap for like, you know, uh, Burgess is like, okay, you need to get the syrup like in the vicinity of the pancakes. And then Adam's like, remember, napkins are your friend. Oh my God. The Burzik family. Ah! The Burzik family. We were hashtag blessed this episode for sure. Yeah. But while this is happening, Adam's like, do you want to come meet a CI with me? 
And she's like, yeah, I'm not ready. Like, I'm not ready. And he's like, are you sure? And she goes, yeah. I mean, who knows if I'll ever be ready. Adam takes that kind of literally. I can't blame him though. I mean. I can't either. Yeah. Can't. So Kevin and Adam are waiting for Adam CI and Kev asks, he's like, so how's Burgess doing? And he's like, she's not great, man. Like, she's not great. Which, are they not texting? Who? Him and Kevin. I think so. But, you know, like, it's one thing if I said, like, hey, Gina, how are you feeling? And you're like, you're fine. You know, like, if you had something traumatic happen to you or, like, had a big surgery or something. Like, I'm sure if I texted you, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. But if I texted Charlie, Charlie would be like, yeah, she's not great. Okay. That's right? Fair. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, everyone, you, you kind of blow it off. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. But, like, the other person is going to be, like, real with you. I hope Kevin and Kim are, like, messaging and, like. I'm sure they are. I don't, don't even put that thought into your head. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Yeah. Best friends forever. BFF. Yeah. Man. So Ruzik goes to the district the next day and he asks Platt for something. And this is hilarious because Platt's like, I am not handling your subpoenas. I'm not putting up with your bullshit. And then he goes, it's about Kim. And she takes whatever she's got in her hand and just shoves it aside. <laughs> so Which good. like really who in intelligence wouldn't do that for Kim? Let's be real. I would. Oh, I would a hundred percent. Yep. hundred percent. Uh, and so he's like, listen, I know there's the desk spot in narcotics that's open. I just wanted to ask if it's still available. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to find out whatever. But like, Ruzik got a lot of shit for this. Mm-hmm. A lot on social media. I don't feel like it was warranted though. I see where he was coming from. What about Quinta Platt? Adam Ruzik's entire motivation in life is to love and protect Kim Burgess. That is his entire motivation right now. Yeah. Has been for seasons. Yeah. And so when he sees that she's going through something, all he wants to do is fix it for her. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, maybe this wasn't the best way to go about it, but like, I don't think there was any ill intentions behind him going to Platt or anything like that, or that it made him think any less of, Burgess you know that like oh she's not sure if she wants to go back to work like I don't think that's what I just don't think that was maybe the best way to go about it but like I don't think he meant anything by it I don't think so either I don't think so either he got a lot of shit for it on social media but like he is just he's just a he's a lovesick puppy is what he is and he will always be a lovesick puppy and accurate just how he rolls yep yeah yeah so Platt stops Voight coming out of the interrogation room later on. And she's like, listen, Kim's looking at desk jobs. Like, I just want to let you know this. And she's like, nothing's set in stone, but there is an opening in narcotics. And Voight's just like, well, shit. Okay, fine. So like Platt kind of sounds the alarm, which again, I can't fault any of them. Like the, the whole, the beauty of intelligence is the, the way that they all look out for each other. And like mm-hmm. how throughout all of the fucked up shit that goes on week to week, they've always got each other's back. That's true of any of the three shows. And really, I would say that's like 75% of the reason all of us keep coming back week after week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they've always got each other's back. They are always a safety net for each other. And that's why Platt sounded the alarm was to be like, we need all hands on deck. We need to be there for her. Mm-hmm. Not like being overprotective or overbearing. They're just saying, okay, let's let's help her through this. You know? I'd say in this case, because obviously then we see Voight go to help her. Mm-hmm. I don't like Voight. Voight is still not my favorite character, but I'd say that is probably his like one redeeming quality is like, 
how much he is willing to be there for his team. You know, the people he's taken under his wing, Mm -hmm. like when he does that, like when you're in Hank Voigt circle, you're in. And like the way he will go to bat for you Mm -hmm. and like be there for you. I mean, it is, you know, unlike anything else, but maybe the way he approaches it sometimes, not the greatest. Again, Hank Voigt is still not my favorite character, but like he is very much, you know, like I said, it starts with Voight and it goes down. It starts with Bowden and it goes down. Like it, it just, it works. And yeah. That begs a really interesting question. Now that you say that when shit hits the fan with Roy and Haley and this secret, does he hang Haley out to dry or does he finally take the fucking fall for his actions? I think it'll depend on how it comes about. Like how it gets revealed. Yeah. Because I could honestly see it going both ways. Yeah. And maybe this is being me being naive. Part of me wants to believe that they're not going to set all this up for Hank to then leave her out to dry. That like he would maybe finally take the fall or take the fall with her. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think I trust Boyd enough not to do that. No. And the other thing that sucks is like, we know even if he takes the fall, it's just going to be a slap on the wrist because like he's a regular and white men fill up. And so it's just like, even if he does take the fall, I feel like it's not going to be satisfying. Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I, I'll, I'll be curious to see how the secret comes of, about first and then mm-hmm. we'll go from there. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like Brenda was saying, um, Burgess is asleep. Okay. Like the way they set up the shot is just like, good job. So they set up the shot. She's asleep and you can see like her pill bottle on the table. Like you can tell she's, she's healing. She's not okay. She's just not in a good place. Voight knocks on the door and scares this girl off the couch. Like it, it, it sucks to see her this way. Like it just sucks. Um, but like she, she scrambles, like she goes and gets her gun and then she approaches the door very carefully. And then he's like, no, like Kim, it's Hank, like open up. But like, he t- like that scared the shit out of her. I just feel so bad. Like sucks. So Hank's like, okay, like I need you to interview this rape victim at med, like straight up. And he's like, I need all hands on deck. And she's like, you really, you really want me for this. And he just says, he's like, you've got to give yourself a chance to feel like you can do the job again, which like. Hank Void is usually wrong, but this one time, he's right. Yeah. This one time. Just once. So she interviews the client and like, you can tell at first she's not comfortable, but then like her instincts start to kick in. The, the beauty of the way that Marina like played this in this episode is that you, it's a gradual like improvement. She gets better and better to the point that like, like her instincts just take over. And then you remember, you're like, okay. Policing is in her blood. It's like in her DNA. Mm-hmm. She was like meant to do this. Yep. So she talks with the rape victim. It's hard for her too. It's hard. And she leaves. And who is waiting for her? Of course, Ruzik. Heard you were interviewing Sarah. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Are you okay? What? You want to explain to me why Voight seems to think that I'm struggling and not wanting to come back to intelligence? Oh, no. See, that's just a misunderstanding. I'm going to kill Platt. I just, I asked her if the desk job in narcotics was still open. You always said that sounded like a cushy spot, so I wanted you to know you had choices. 
And it's your choice to push me into a desk job? No, no, no. Hold on. I want you to know that you don't have to do this ever again. Okay? You're not okay. That's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Great. That's super supportive. No, Thank it you. it is. Kim. Thank you. Kim. You have options, and we can work through this. We can figure it out. I don't want to not come back to work. Then you will come back to work. Yeah. I'm just going to slip right back in. I don't know it's what you want. It's going to be perfect. Right I don't want to do this right now. I didn't mean to. I know. I know. Me neither. OK. Uh, I don't like it when they snap at each other, but this was very grown up for them. Right. Well, and the fact that by the end, like when Ruzik leaves, he's, she's like, you know, I didn't mean to. And he's like, yeah, I know me either. Like, that's like basically them like making up. That's a huge step for those two. That was like, even though it's not that great of a, you know, like communicating, but it's like, mm-hmm. oh, progress. Yeah. Progress big time. But like when, when she was really like, when she was getting really mad at him, I was just kind of like, oh God, are we doing this again? Are we doing this again? It's just kind of like, there, there's two things that happened in this episode that I was like, okay, this is getting old. We need to stop this. Okay. So when she got mad at Adam, I was like, okay, that stop it. And then we'll, we'll get to it with the case. But when the, when the CI, not the CI, when the parole guy like manhandled her, I was like, okay, enough, enough. Like, yeah, enough. So, but this was really grown up of them to just let it go. Cause usually between these two, they'd be carrying grudges throughout the whole episode. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I didn't mean to. I know me neither. Precious babies. So I don't know. Um, Megan R sent us a message and just said, I don't really like that Adam is being overprotective of Kim, but at the same time, I understand it. He wants to keep her safe and he doesn't want to see the woman he loves get hurt anymore. So I guess I can't stay mad at him for long. He has that power. Mm-hmm. He has that power. Um, she said, I'm glad that fire along with PD and somewhat med are focusing more on mental health. It's something that needs a lot of attention, especially after this past year and a half with the pandemic. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Amen. So yeah, I, I just, I just can't, I don't have it in me to get mad at Adam for this one. No. And I, I do kind of understand where Kim is coming from, but like, I think if she, once she really sits down and thinks about it, like it's really nothing to like really get mad at him for Mm -hmm. but I do understand why she feels like people are making decisions for her when it's her life and it's her recovery Mm -hmm. and she's trying to figure out how to navigate it herself she doesn't need Adam being like oh well you could go into desk job and it's like what if I don't want to go into the desk job what if I don't want to go to that one like you know yada 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 etc etc so I understand her feel like she's losing control but like yeah I'm glad that like Boyd kind of instilled the confidence in her like go do the job again but also it feels like he kind of plucked her before she might've been ready. Yeah. I don't know. Double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think there's like a, this is a right answer or a wrong answer, but like you said, progress that we ended the way we did with that. Scene. Yeah. Big time, big time. So take us to the case. Oh man. <laughs> Lots of details in this case. Um, Lots of details. So basically, Adam goes and meets this potential new CI, Ava. And she says that apparently the G-Parks are doing a big re-up. She doesn't really have any info, though. And so she's like, well, how does this whole CI thing work? And as Ruzik's explaining to her, basically, like, once she learns how much she can potentially make, she's, like, very eager. Mm -hmm. But Adam, like, has to, like, calm her down. He's like, okay, I just want to make sure that you can do this safely. And, like, she's like, no, 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 like, I can, I can. And Adam just, like, reminds her that, you know, like, no amount of money or drugs is worth dying for. 
Um, and they agree to meet like after she's done meeting with the guy she's getting all the in- info from. She they're like they set a meeting place and they're like, okay, eleven o'clock, eleven o'clock, like we'll meet. We we do have to take a moment to appreciate like the red plaid and the sunglasses and the swagger in this moment. I will say part of me was slightly like I know a lot of people were like when the promo photo came out that was like oh my god because he's like sitting on bleachers everyone's like oh my god is he at a soccer game for Michaela like oh "Oh my god yes and like part of me was like kind of sad that he wasn't watching like Michaela out there like playing some kind of sport I was partly sad about that it will yes Best tweet I saw about that promo photo, I can't remember who it was from, but somebody tweeted and just said, Michaela's dad is hot. <laughs> <laughs> he is, though. Yes. Art. <laughs> Although, honestly, though, I'd rather him watch her do ballet or something like that. So my dream, I guess, can still come true one day. But, like, I was slightly disappointed about this. Adam has to be a girl dad when the time comes. He has to. Has to. Has, has to. to. Yeah. So Kevin and Adam go to meet Ava. And of course, though, she still hasn't shown and it's like way past the time. And all of a sudden, the shots fired call comes in over the radio at 46 and Morgan, which is, of course, where Ava was supposed to do her meet. So Kevin and Adam rush over there. And basically what they find is Ava's body and a black SUV fleeing the scene. So the rest of intelligence rolls up on the scene and they start, you know, going through the basics. There's no pot of security cam footage. There's no confirmation of who Ava was meeting there. There's nobody in the neighborhood that wants to talk. You know, all the like dead ends you run into like right away. And Haley mentions that like Ava actually was ended up being raped and it looks like a personal attack. It wasn't like just like random. It looked personal. Mm-hmm. So the ballistics for the gun actually end up being a dead end, but they do figure out from Ava's phone that she was tight with two self-admitted G Park Lords, um, these guys named the Page Cousins, but they actually end up being dead end leads too because one's in jail and the other was on Instagram Live at the time of Ava's death. God, what an alibi. Yeah. So they are still going through her phone records and they see that her last call was an hour before her death to her PO, Gary Franklin. So Kevin and Ruzik go to talk to him, but he's not really offering much. Um, while they are talking to him, CPIC sends Ruzik some pod footage of a black SUV driving erratically near the murder scene about 10 minutes after her death. And of course, the tags are really, you know, for AG Park Lord named Deshaun Baker. So they are going to go after him. But they're... Um, her PO, Gary Franklin's just like, if he's the one, like you roll him hard for me. And honestly, I maybe this was naive of me. I didn't even really think about the fact that like he could have been the guy who did all of this. It just like kind of blew right past my head. And then I was watching it, re-watching it again today. I was like, why was I so stupid? Like, why did I not see that coming? No, because I mean, you you know, if somebody's presented to you as a good guy, you take it at face value. It's 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 always disheartening when you're just like, damn it, damn it, like. Yeah. Every time. Was Gary, was Gary the one who was played by Broadway guy? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Drew, um, I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah, I'm always terrible at it, but he's really good. I'm so excited to see Waitress. I finally get to see it like either late this year or early next. And I'm excited to finally see it. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I love the music. It's gonna be 
I did see, um, do you remember maybe like a year or two ago when like Broadway had a blackout one night and so all the casts of like the uh-huh. shows like hit the streets? There's one video of Waitress that I remember from that where like they did it acapella and I was just like, I've never seen this show, but that is incredible. Like, wow. So it's, I'm excited to finally see it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Intelligence rolls up on this Deshaun Baker's house and they scoop him up. And bring him in for questioning. And he's like, listen, I had nothing to do with Avery's murder. I let my sister borrow the car. I was in Detroit. You can look at my boarding pass. Like, I swear. And But he also mentions, like, he was friends with Ava. And he's like, listen, if I had to guess, I bet it was Ava's new guy. And he's like, her, he roughed her up a few times. So, but he doesn't have a name or anything like that to really go off of. So, while they're questioning Baker... There's another possible rape in a back alley happening. So intelligence is like, we're going to roll up on this too. Because of course, in this instance, the victim took off running and the offender hopped into a black SUV. So they're like, maybe the two are related. So intelligence, Jay and Haley specifically, see the victim running and they stop her, you know, end up getting her to med in an ambulance. Um, but they do find an ID in her purse and it's, a, her name is Sarah O'Connell. And... Like we said, it may seem like it's random. They're not really sure at this point, but Voight's like, I'm going to be the one to go to med and interview her when she's ready. And as we find out, really, that was Voight's way of getting Burgess back into the thing. So really, it was Burgess who's going to interview Sarah. And she does, and Sarah at first doesn't really want to talk. She opens up a little bit more when she hears that Kim was a patient there recently because she was shot in the line of duty, but she still doesn't really open up a ton. And all Sarah says, you know, like he came out of nowhere, dragged her towards a car. And she's talking about, you know, like how he, she froze up um, and mentions that like, she doesn't really sure how she got away and, you know, all that stuff. But when Burgess walks out of the room and is talking to Ruzik, she's like, I think Sarah is lying. And she's like, like, I don't know. I just got this vibe from her that she was sitting there like thinking about our answers. And it all just felt very rehearsed. It's just like riding a bike, Kim. Get back on. And just when Birches is like, thinks she's done with it, like after talking to Sarah, then Birch is like, well, I'm going to go visit Sarah's ex-husband. And actually it turns up being that visit that gives them kind of a lot more details into what possibly happened. So according to Sarah's ex-husband, it turns out that Sarah and Ava shared the same parole officer, um, which they didn't come across earlier because Sarah had just been recently switched. So it hadn't been made like official yet. And according to Sarah's ex, Gary Franklin, you know, the parole officer, was using his power to the point of abuse and violence. And of course, he also just so happens to own a black SUV. So, so far, everything is pointing to this is our guy. This is, this is our guy. So... A week ago, as they kind of start finding out more things, it turns out that Gary actually got a subpoena for Sarah's phone records because he was getting suspicious and he was right. Apparently, Ava, Sarah, and another parolee, Casey Thomas, like wanted to talk, but they didn't really give any names or specific details, so nothing really happened with it. So once they figure that out, they're like, okay, well, we got to go track down this Casey girl. And Kevin and Adam go and check on her at her, you know, her last known address. And what they find, though, is Casey's body and the offender running away. Um, 
But what they get, though, is not really the actual offender. It was just Casey's boyfriend who tested negative for GSR. Um, so he's all clear. Um, and, of course, Gary Franklin has an alibi that he was picking up pizza, you know. So, of course. So Burgess and Upton go visit Sarah and try to see if they'll get anything else out of her. And... um Kim ultimately gets through to her. Kim's like, you know, the one thing I do know is that he's still out there and I would do anything to bring him in. And she's trying to convince Sarah. She's like, Sarah, like you can have that. Like you can end this, you can bring him in. We just need a name. And the look on Haley's face Mm -hmm. the whole time that Kim's talking to her about this, like Haley feels so guilty. So guilty. It's just eating at her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think when Kim finds out, like, do you think she's going to be mad? I don't know. Wait, I wait. think she's definitely going to keep the secret. Wait, hold on. Say what you just who is is say what you just said again. When Kim finds out that Ray is actually dead, when when Kim basically when when he, she finally finds out about the secret that like, hey, Voight and I took care of it. I ended up killing him that night. Like, is she going to be mad? What what's her reaction going to be? It. I don't think she's mad that Roy is dead. I think she's mad that they left her feeling so vulnerable and not like, like she just, she went through so much hell and to think, and they clearly know that it's something where that she's struggling with the fact that he could still be out there and could be coming after her. Mm-hmm. And they know that she's not, that he's not. And so I think she's going to be mad about the fact that they kept it from her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that actually, now I, I realize now that you say that I'm like, wow, they, not only did they take the justice from her, but they took her peace away from her too. Mm-hmm. Voight and Haley, not Roy. Voight and Haley. Like they robbed her of that peace. Yeah. Oof. I think yeah. she's definitely going to keep the secret and I think she's going to be relieved. But yeah, I'm with you. She's going to be upset that they kept it from her. Well, especially because like she even says to Sarah, she's like, you know, like I, the one thing I know is that he's still out there and I would do anything to bring him in. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she's mad again that Roy's dead. Like, I don't think that's what she cares about at all. I think she's going to be care about the fact that they know that she's dead, that he's dead and that they didn't tell her. They could have told her all this time and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sarah ultimately does tell them that it was Gary Franklin, the PO, the parole officer that he raped her whenever he felt like it for months and you know she was trying to get her kid back and he said he would help her but he didn't you know all this stuff and they ask her to wear a wire because that's really the only way they're going to get him to go down for good um and you know she ultimately agrees but so they go the next morning to and to get sarah wired up and they find out that she's gone um She's okay. They got through to her on the phone, but, you know, apologize for not really being able to go through with it. Um, So Kim comes up with this idea that she'll go undercover and get Gary to confess. I love that Kim undercover. All all that it means for Kim to go undercover is like Kim wears eyeliner. Yeah. But her smoky eye was A++. Yeah, she looked amazing. She looked Um, so good. So she does go undercover. And at first, Gary's like denying it. And then that he even knows Sarah and he ultimately though agrees to like meet her later that afternoon. So he meets 
you know, shows up to this park or whatever and asks her to go for a walk. Burgess has noticed that he's armed and so follows him anyway. He ends up attacking her like you alluded to earlier. Uh, but Burgess is a badass and shoots him really before he can do anything. We still got to jazz that up though. Like uh, that, that I, I did not like that. I was like, enough, enough of that. Like, stop it. That. And when the CI was first murdered and they show her like brutally, like splayed out with bullet wounds, I was like, enough. We just had that. Like, stop, yeah. give us a break, do something else. Cause like, this is too much. Yeah. Give us a break. Um, but the episode ends with, you know, like Kim pulling up to the motel where Sarah ran off to and, you know, just like, and Kim just says, you know, like, you're safe. And then Sarah, you know, like falls into her arms and is very emotional. But um, yeah, that's the case. Poor Kim doesn't know that she's safe too. Like, I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's gonna, it's not gonna be pretty when she finds out. No. And honestly, I can't blame her. Like, we'll get there, I guess, you know, when it actually happens and we can see it, you know, fully unfolded. But I I can't blame her, you know? No, I think any way she she reacts is going to be completely justified. If she wants to scream, if she wants to cry, if she wants to throw shit in the middle of the bullpen, 100% she's justified. Yep. And then really, if anybody wants to try and police her reaction, like, I will come for you. Like, I don't yeah. care if you're Jay. I don't care if you're Cinnamon Roleplay Gallo. Like, do not touch her. Cinnamon Roleplay Gallo would do nothing. He wouldn't do anything. No, he would hug her. He'd be like, I don't know you, but like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Kim got her groove back. Just. Yeah. I guess she'll be back with intelligence full time next week. Yeah. According to promo photos. Again, her strength blows me away. Yeah. Blows me away. Yeah. Yeah. Any other notes on PD? It was a good episode. It was a good episode. Next week's going to be brutal, but yeah, it was a good yeah, episode. Yeah, next week's going to be brutal. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm already not ready mm-hmm. for it. Me neither. Me neither. So. Yeah, that's about it for this week, guys. Um, as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. I promise I'm going to touch the Tumblr again soon at some point. I'm just, gifts take a lot of time to make. They take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people know how to make gifts faster, but like I'm old, so deal with it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, meet us at Molly's at gmail.com if you guys want to email us at any time about anything. Like, you know, we watch other stuff and we do other stuff aside from one Chicago. I know it's hard to believe, but we do. So um, email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Brenna. I am at Brenna K13. Normal schedule, baby. Hell Normal yeah. Schedule. Yeah. Woo. So, um, in the meantime, yeah, I mean, you guys know where to find us. So yeah, just, just get ready. We've got some stuff in the works. So just keep those eyes peeled, you know, might be some interviews, might be some other stuff. I don't know. So keep your eyes peeled. And yeah, in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.